Welcome, I'm Faye Waterman, the Conversation Curator, and this is What's Your Superpower, the podcast. And my guest is Annie Callis, who is a relationship architect, and she will get to explain that. And she'll be talking about her superpowers, but she's going to fill us in a little bit on where she came from and how she got to where she is today and how she helps people sharing those superpowers along the way. Welcome, Annie, and thank you for your time. Thank you, Faye. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. It's actually quite funny to talk about yourself. You know, I mean, I teach other people to be comfortable with themselves, but then when you get put on a spot, you go, <laughs> oh, what am I going to say about myself? But don't worry, I'll, I think I'll get there. <laughs> you will. I'll be all right. Yeah. So thank you for having me. And hi, everybody. Annie, talk about where you come from and how you got into doing becoming the relationship architect and the sorts of things that you do to help people within relationships whether they're with a partner or it's a relationship with themselves or whatever it is. Thank you well I was born in Romania in Europe and migrated to Australia in 1982 and uh, I realized that my entire life, the thing that was really important to me was all relationships, relationships with my parents, my siblings, my friends, um, then work colleagues. So for me, and of course, partners. So through my life, life's trials and tribulations, I think I discovered my, um, I don't know, my strength, my power is to build relationships with people and it comes from as I'm sure a lot of people have heard this your gain sorry your pain is your gain so I grew up in a a very toxic household with very angry parents a lot of abuse and I always wanted to be loved and I wanted to have great relationships with them and whilst that was happening I have two beautiful siblings so we built a very strong relationship to protect each other. So we, we are extremely close even now. I mean, I haven't spoken to my brother in a long time. He lives in Europe and he's doing his own thing and that's okay. But I would say that if I call him and I say I need him, he'd be at my doorstep. So there's this amazing connection that our siblings have. And I guess that comes out from, from a challenge, but we made it work for us. And... All these years later, when our parents passed away in 2016, they both passed away in 2016, it was to my amazement how we worked together to, to organize the sale of the house and the cars and the estate, and, get, and there were absolutely no arguments. So we all know that in a lot of families, there's a lot of bickering, especially when parents pass away and it's all about, we didn't. And we didn't even have to talk about it. It was almost like a given. So all the years that we've been there to protect each other, even when we left home, our parents still uh, tried to come between us and to cause some kind of uh, challenge and arguments between us that we never did. We just, yeah. Isn't, isn't that interesting that that was their their thing in life because they weren't happy, they didn't want to see other people happy. And that's a really sad situation to be in, isn't it? Well, I guess it's, um, yes, it is sad. I mean, sadness, 
the true definition of sadness is actual um, mm. the loss of something or someone. So there's something that they lost within themselves, themselves, or they lost somebody they love. Like my my father lost my mother when we were babies and then he remarried and I don't think he's ever recovered from that even though he spent 43 years with my stepmother but I just think he's never recovered for that because when he passed away the day before he passed away he talked about our mother so that was interesting I thought okay he's ready to go to be with her right mm. um and I think my stepmother also, she's had her own trials and tribulations. I lost things in her life. And, you know, she had a couple of heart hits when she was younger. And I think she hasn't recovered from that, from the shock. And a lot of people, when you have a shock, is, is you've got to deal with that shock. You've got to be able to clear that out. Because otherwise, it gets repeated in life through different circumstances and experiences. And that's something that I learned through my shocks that I had in my life, you know, the, the abuse from my parents, the, it was pretty shocking. So how do you deal with events like that when, when you're a child and you don't know, you can't comprehend why this is happening? So as an adult, I was able to travel back there and to deal with those moments. So I did a lot of work for the last 13 years, almost 14 years now, I've been immersed in my own personal growth. As through my own personal growth, I realized when I started to get my freedoms and I started to feel happy and resentment is gone and guilt is gone and all those feelings that are holding you down, I thought, I have to bring this to the world. I have to share this with people because it's really, really good stuff. Like I've got a lot of really good tools. I'm quite systemized in the type of work that I do as a relationships. I'm a relationships with the relationships architect and you know why and I, I just tell you why yeah say relationship because i don't just work like the methodology that i have is foundational and anyone can use it in any relationship yeah so it's not yeah. it's not sort of let's call it personalized that it's this is just for uh, a married couple or an intimate couple you know, I've actually spoken and, and worked with people who had challenges with their mother, uh, who had challenges with a workmate. And and I find this with teams when you look in uh, corporate environments. A lot of relationships don't work within the teams because they're so different and they don't know how to understand themselves and how they react because everything is a reaction. It's the other person is your trigger. Mm -hmm. so you understand self it's always going back this way yeah you know when you point a finger at somebody you've got three pointing back at you oh I love that you you said something there Annie that was really interesting you can't work with someone or there's this there's a trigger that someone sets off in you but it's not the person who sets the trigger off it is us that react to that that make the situation the way it may happen or may be. So you go in there, and this is one of your superpowers, is to recognise that and to work through the process with people to understand what their triggers are and how they can process them. Yes, well, 
I still have a thing for this word superpower, but okay, let, let, let me boast today. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. That's what it's all about. So I think one of my one of my main superpowers is my presence. So I've done a lot of a lot of work with some very interesting technologies. It, it's called processing and clearing, where I've learned to be really present. So when you coach, there's different types of coaching, and I've learned this from an amazing woman. Her name is Tanya Lacey. She's she's from Melbourne. And she said there's three types of coaching. She goes, there's the one where you sit there and you worry about what's my next question and how, and, and we try, and the coach tries to figure out the answer for the people. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Number two is when you're 100% present to the client and you just listen to them and there is nothing else going on in your head. And number three is when it's half and half. So you're kind of present, but you still kind of see, you still kind of, your mind goes off. So, of course, she asked me what's, what's the best coaching style. I said, well, number two, where you're completely present. So when I heard that from her, and that was a long, long time ago, and I thought, I want to practice to become that number two. And through the practice of being constantly present and doing a lot of presence, not only with other people, because there's a lot of uh, – uh, courses where they, they get you to do presence with another person, just sit there and look, you look at each other, but also doing presence with self. That is actually harder than doing presence with another person because you have to look into your own soul. Mm. Is that in your own eyes? Yeah. Is that looking in the mirror and looking in through your eyes into your soul? Yeah. So I look, I, I do presence with myself every single morning, but I don't need to do it for a long period now because I, I can get present very fast. But then mm -hmm. it, it took practice. And it took it, I had to get over myself. Because when I would look in the mirror, I would just start looking at, oh, look at my face, I'm aging, I've got white hair, oh my God, I've got the double chin. And then of course my eyes started to travel further down and started to pick on my body. So I need to I had to stop to, to shut that voice down and to just be. And, and how hard is that? I've, I've worked on looking in the mirror and looking into my eyes and I've done the same thing as you as look at, oh, I'm getting old and look at the wrinkles and, oh, I don't like this. But then you come back to look into the eyes and deep into the soul. That is a really tough gig. Well, it is up until the moment when you think about what's my intention here. So is my intention to dog myself out, to bag on myself or what's wrong with me, or is my intention to learn how to be present? So once you start switching the mindset and you start going, okay, I am here to practice presence. And when you practice presence and you are calm and you look at yourself in the mirror, you actually don't see that anymore because you are literally looking into your eyes. You're not paying attention to the rest. Mm. So it's, and I'm not to say that I don't look in a mirror sometimes and I go, wow, I'm going to be 58 years old. So I'm like, wow. And then I go, hang on a minute. I'm not bad for 58. It's I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I've been blessed with some good genes, I think. And I think a, a youthful disposition. So, um, 
it's like it's it's getting but the intention as soon as i got the intention is to do presents i go to it straight away yeah and when i've when i've looked in the in the mirror and i've looked deep into my soul it's it's really really quite rewarding to there's an energy or there's a feel about it when you really delve into those eyes and don't look at anything else and so you're present with that how do you teach people to do that well i actually have an exercise that i do with people so i i get them i explain to them the the one on like look at yourself the one-on-one and i talk about the intention and all of that and then when they come back in this next session that we debrief it so what comes up for them is that's that's the key because that's that's what you need to address what is happening why are you thinking like that where where else has that happened before so we start to break it down when i work with for example two people a couple or i've I've actually had sisters do this they were at each other who in a restaurant in thailand thailand some on an island somewhere in thailand and I was sitting across them and they were at it and I just said, just stop. So I got them to turn around, face each other, not a word, not a sound, not touching. And I asked them to just look into each other's eyes. And it's very interesting to watch the uncomfortability that comes up, the, the emotions that come up, the, the mouth is twitching. Every single movement that happens in a person is actually saying something. So my second superpower is actually recognizing those very subtle shifts. Like there's a tiny twitch in the eye or a little twitch in the mouth. And you just know, so I'm, by me being very present, I notice things that other people don't. They don't realize that they're doing it. And I go, okay, tell me what was that? And they go, what are you talking about? I go, well, you just twitched. No, I didn't. I said, well, I actually did. <laughs> I said, and I don't have a reason to tell you that you did if you didn't. You know, I don't fabricate things. Mm. So, um, and there were tears and they were, they were laughing and then they were confused why they're laughing and then there were tears again. And they wanted to say something and I'd go, no, not a word. So, and then they did it for about a minute and they thought it was a lifetime. I said, okay, now we're going to do it for two minutes. Oh, shock horror. But as time, and then, and what I, when I do that with clients, I sort of debrief it with them. So tell me what came up for you. Tell me what came. So through the conversation and the dialogue, I start, and my third superpower is I hear things. I hear words and I just, and I write them down on my pad because they are the signs. Because actually speaking what the angst is, what's bothering them. And then I, I go, okay, so tell me more about that. Sometimes, and then they start to blame the other person and then the other person tries to say something and my fourth superpower, hey, I have a lot of superpowers. <laughs> and I'm able to say, not now, just stop. Let your par- partner speak or your per- the other person speak and then we'll come to you. So everybody will be heard. 
but we need to let them, we need to give them the space and we need to give them the respect and, and the safety to actually download. I was going to say they need to feel safe to be able to do that, don't they? And that's another superpower, creating that environment where they feel safe enough to be able to do what you ask them to do. And do you know that comes from, I mean, with the girls, with the sisters, I mean, I didn't set it up. We were just there, but I had to intervene because they were really carrying on. And uh, and one of them actually became one of my clients. Oh, really? Yeah, she, a few year, about two years later, I think, she contacted me and uh, I worked with her and with her partner. And I also worked with her after that individually. And so, so you actually never know. For anybody who's a coach out there and is listening to this, you never know where your clients will come from. No. You just don't know. However, when I'm in my program, because I have a program, so it's called the Ultimate Relationship Program. So in a program, I set it up from, moment, from session one. I always set up the what's going to happen, the context. I set the context for the whole program. The pro program goes for six months. So got to set the context up in a way that they know who I am. They know how it's going to work. They have the rules. We have a, what it's called the code of honor for the, for the program, which is a set of rules that, that supports the internal behavior of the people. That includes myself, that includes them. We discuss it, they agree to it, and then we sign off on it. So it creates a safety net for everybody, for, for them, for me, and for the integrity of the program. And that actually really helps. And this is one of the things, it's very interesting, me setting up a, a structure for my how I coach has actually just recently created um, somebody asked me, well, how do you do it? So I created a new program called the Coaching Catalyst Program where I help up-and-coming coaching create their methodology and their system so the clients don't run the session, they run the session, where they are able to ask the clients, sorry, or to hold the clients accountable to their assignments. It's not like, why haven't you done the assignment? Oh, it's good. Enough. You know, yeah. so the whole idea is when you get coaching is to have someone to help you dig deep and hold you accountable. Because if we don't hold the clients accountable, they get away with what they've been getting away with before and they're not going to get results. It's not like you're not in high school, you know, you're not in primary school, you're not going to get in trouble. However, what we're looking for is patterns. Because a behavior shows up in our life. So if somebody doesn't do the assignment, they, they sometimes they get upset and they want to cancel the session because they think they're going to get in trouble. No, no, we're not canceling the session. Just come. I didn't do my assignment. So why? Just we I got plenty other stuff to talk about. But when we debrief, I've got a great debriefing process. And when we debrief, then they tell me what's happened and I start to pick pick out what what's happening to them in their life, why they're not putting themselves as a priority. Because the assignment is them digging, connecting to themselves, be, being introspective, 
And that comes out in the debriefing process. So that's where we can look at, well, which are your habits and your behavior that's not helping you achieve your goals? And what is it that you want instead? Overall, what I do, and my methodology is called the reality bridging methodology. So I help people get them, go from their knowledge, bridge the knowledge with the, uh, the practical application. Because people have knowledge, but they don't know how to apply it or they don't understand why something happened. So I create that bridge. I help them. I help them build. That's why I'm called Relationships Architect. Them build delicious relationships with themselves, with their partners. And in return, they will have great relationships with everybody else in their life because at the core, they set the solid foundations. Yeah. And that is something that doesn't happen a lot in relationships if they go to counsellors and things because they don't do what you do to actually build that solid foundation. They kind of scratch the surface, but they don't really do the work that needs to be done. And then the client has to take the action to make it, to make the changes. And they might be small changes to start with, but those changes build and then they build and then they can start seeing the results and feeling the results. So the emotion will change. The emotion will be different to what it was when they first came to you. Yeah. So that the recognition that you have of bringing that person to a space where they're willing to take the action, they take the action, they do the assignments. Yeah. Because you create the safe space, that environment where, okay, I really do, I am serious about these results. I'm, I want to do it for me, but I'm also accountable to Annie. Well, yes, it takes a bit of time for them to get to that. And sometimes I have to go back to the code of honor for the program and I say, let's pull it out and let's have a look at it. And we have things like, you know, it's really interesting. I have it right here because I'm, I'm working on creating a document. And um, one of them, it says, finish what you start. So that's a code. So that means is you finish the course. You, you finish the program. You don't stop halfway because it gets hard. You have to sit in the heat because when people, when, when challenges happen and adversity happens, and that's when, uh, that's why I said sit in the heat, it's uncomfortable. So people run, reflect, and they find a way to cope and they go to their standard coping mechanism. We all have a standard coping mechanism and, um, and then they run. So they make an agreement with me at the beginning that you finish what you start and that includes finishing the course. So you can't, you can't walk away. So I haven't had anybody walk away yet. But that's the power of setting context for people. They know what they're going to get into and they and we as a whole are in agreement. It's not me telling them what they have to do. They've had people their entire life telling them what to do. This is about, this is why this is here. How do you feel about it? How do you see it? What does this mean to you? This is what it means for the program. Are you okay with it? Yes. Agreement, great. So when people are in agreement, then you can call them on it after. And this code of honor, this is one of the most powerful tools I've ever learned. 
And a code of honor, you got to have one for yourself, one for your relationship. You can have one with your children. You can have one for the whole family unit. You can have one with your parents. You can have one in your workspace, actually, for a corporate environment. This is probably one of the most powerful things that they could have in, within their business to hold a team accountable. Mm. In, general, in general, you can have teams that work really well together and then the shit hits the fan and then everybody goes off and they do their own thing. Yeah. So, so a code of honor, it's, it's what they believe in, they fight for, and they stay together like this. So if you look at, for example, football, right? Yep. Why do teams some somehow come from behind and they win because they have that 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 honor that binds them together, right? Yeah. Now in in the you know if you look at the military and the armed forces, you know, like they like if you look at formation flying, you know, there's a code of honor within within this this protective entity, you know, that that protects our countries, right? Mm -hmm. They have a code of honor. But it is a matter of life and death. Oh, yeah, it's a huge one. So the code of honor in your life is matter of life and death because if you don't have a code in your marriage, it's the end of the marriage because a lot of people don't have agreements then then they can call each other on, be responsible for, and hold them together. So when adversity hits and the storms of life hit, you rely what's our code when this happens and when this happens and that happens, what is our code? Yeah. Back to our code. I just got shivers about that because I so believe in it. And up to now, every couple that I have worked with, when I asked them at the end, which was, what was the most important thing that you got out of this? The code of honor. Every single one of them without fail. Really? And I'm blown away by it. And the code of honor is what keeps them together. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, how you can you can take them through the process, you get them to sign that code of honor, but then you go past the code of honor, which sits there, and they know it's there, and they have they need to abide by it. But then you take them on a journey through different things. But it's all basically, when you think about it, referring back to that code of honour. How do you keep them on that path? What is it that you do when they're bucking the system, when they're struggling to keep on the path to continue the course? They know what the good result will be, but it becomes so hard. What is it that you do to help them through that process i just ask lots and lots of questions so remember how i said before one of my superpowers is i hear words i hear things they say and it's the tonality in which they say it in how they say it their body language their facial expressions and i know something is going on so then i ask but each time depending what is happening i match where they're at with the with the energy like for example if somebody is emotional i'm not going to come in like a bulldozer right 
it's like we got to be careful that we we keep them safe at all time and when they are angry and i've had before our clients that were arguing with me and i just hold space however as a as a human being i just go wow why are you yelling at me but if, when you're in level two coaching you don't do that you just sit there and you go okay I need to allow this, I need to let, uh, Not. it's not me allowing them, it's I want to hold space for them to release all that frustration. That anger, all of it, yeah. And, and here's, here's another thing. A lot of people, when I ask people what anger is, they can't tell me. They say, mm. oh, it's an emotional, uh, do you know what anger is? I couldn't put it into words, but I know what it is. So yeah. tell us. This is the thing. People don't know how they say it's an emotion. It's a feeling. You feel this revved up and worked up. Anger, it's actually the perception of unfairness. Mm. Mm. The unfairness is actually based on your own values and how you perceive life. So if you perceive that something needs to happen a particular way because of who you are and your values and your belief system. Now, if somebody else who's involved in a situation, the result comes out the way you want it is great. But if it doesn't, it's unfair. However, most people don't look at, well, hold on a minute. My partner is another or this person is another has a diff different value system has a different way of looking at life so let's discuss it so let's have so communication is another one of my superpowers is being able to ask questions because i'm present i listen with the intent to understand i don't just want to hear noise mm. i pay attention because I want to understand because I'm in confusion. So I want to understand what's happening when I ask a question. And then I ask a question because I want to understand what's going on for them. And then hopefully they'll ask me a question. And they're in a state of confusion themselves. So sometimes they don't even know. But if a person is not present, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be aware of I'm confused. Mm. So my role is to, when I'm in session with people, is to, to I, I can recognize something is going on because the emotions are driving the tonality. So then I just sit there and I just go, okay, what's happening? If mm -hmm. they, so that, that's just in general. So if something is going on, I just hold space and I ask questions. Now, if they don't do the assignment, I let it go for a while. I, I reinforce the fact that, assignments are important because that's how you learn because you've got to do the assignment because the assignment is created in a way to for you to go introspective and so i've had some clients that said well i don't know what you want me to write i said what i want you to write is what you think it's not what i think and what i want to hear because you don't need to tell me something that's going to make my life better i said I want to know what what you what you're thinking. I mean, this, and this is where you start to unravel. You know, like maybe when they were little, they couldn't speak. Nobody has ever asked them, "Hey, what's your opinion?" Right? 
So now all of a sudden they allowed to have an opinion and they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Right. Mm. So it's awesome when they go, when I ask them, so how'd you go with the assignment or how'd you go? And they go, well, I've actually discovered this, 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 and that. I said, oh, and how does that make you feel? That feels really great. And do you think you would, would you like to repeat that in your life? Or do you want to go back to the way it was? Because once they have a breakthrough, uh, once you know something, you kind of know it. Then it becomes yeah. a choice. Do yeah, you that's so true. Right? Do mm. you choose? You still choose to go back to your old self or you want to actually now be the new self? Because we have lots of identities, right? Mm. So just to finish off on the on that code of honor thing, I just, if, if they're not after, let's say, about halfway through, I kind of go, okay. So can we pull out the code of honor? And I go, okay. So you know where it says, and I look and I go, uh, uh, honor all agreements um, and when in doubt, take action. So when you doubt yourself to do the assignment, write one line. Just do something because you got to do the an activity when you feel that frozen moment within yourself. You actually need to step into something else. So if you stop, then you stop like you always stop. Mm -hmm. I need you to write a word, a sentence, or you can go to town. It's up to you. Yeah. However, I need you to do something because what I'm looking for is what's coming up for you when you do the assignment. It's not that you need to be perfect because I don't know what's perfect in your world. I know what's perfect in my world, right? So how I see my life, right? But you can't answer for me. I want you to answer for you. Yeah. And I'm simply the, the, I'm the facilitator. Yeah, you are. Right? I'm the facilitator. Every human being is the hero. They all have the magic inside of them. My role is to put my hand into them, kiss their heart, and clear it of all the gunk, and then let them go free. Mm. I like that analogy. Put your hand in on their heart, kiss their heart, and let it go free, and allow whatever's meant to be, be. That's, that's yeah that's amazing you have quite a few superpowers there annie so what else is it that you do when you see someone who's gone through the program and they come out the other end happy and you know realize that they've achieved something that they thought was not possible but you've got them from where they were to a great relationship, but it doesn't just stop there because, as you said earlier, they can take this on to relationships with their children, with their parents, with their friends, with their work colleagues, anyone, once they have the basic understanding of how to process. So, uh, but hold on, what's the question? How do you feel when you see that success happen and how do they feel and what's their response 
to the success that they're getting. I guess they they are happy and they feel fulfilled. And I mean, right through the period of time that I spend with them, and it's really interesting, I think just about 90% of my clients have become my friends. Because when you spend six months with someone, like I, they also get to know me because I do share stuff about me because I've got examples. So, and I, for example, I had two gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous clients. One referred the other to me because they friends. And I got a call and they said, we are going to come to visit you. And I said, oh, are you coming to Melbourne? And I said, no, we are coming to see you. And I was like, um, why? Is everything okay? And they said, no, we want to meet you. And I was like, they organized babysitters. They organized everything to have the weekend to come and be with me. And I said, so do you girls want to go out? No. We just want to come and be with you. We want to be in your presence. And that was really, it was so emotional for me because they wanted to come and know me. And I said, well, do you want to stay at my house? And Because I've got, you know, a couple of rooms. And they did. And my goodness, I tell you, I picked one of them up from the airport. Then we drove to the other one because she came down for a wedding also. So picked her up. Then we went to a coffee shop. So I'm sitting across them in a coffee shop and they were loving this whole coffee shop thing. And they're going, we can't believe we are across you. And I was like, but you've been sitting across me for six months. You know, you but they said, no, no, this is different. It was very, very surreal. And sometimes I think as um, as coaches, we don't realize the effect that we have on people. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So these these women had worked with you for a six-month period, but they didn't actually physically meet you and they to to process where they've come from to where they've gotten to and then that next step further was to actually meet you because what is it that they've they they've they're so grateful that they'd achieved what what was it that drove them they wanted to be in my energy and uh so they both the first one came, um, I've known her for a long time and I did a little bit of, let's call it, I helped her with just having challenges in the business. So we looked at it from that perspective mm-hmm. and what was coming up. And then I helped her with her marriage, with the relationship. And by the way, these women actually had pretty good relationships and pretty in love with their partners. But because they were entrepreneurial women and mothers, and wives and daughters and 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 um they were overwhelmed and they noticed that they were having challenges with their partners and they recognized the fact that if i if we don't do something about it because we don't understand why are we becoming we in love we still have physical intimacy we have emotional intimacy but there's something else underlying so these people were very aware 
you know there were you know these these are these were women that have done a lot of personal development themselves but this is where it comes in where you have a lot of knowledge you have a lot of theory so so up here in your in your head you understand it but then you need to embody you need to know how to embody those things so how do you build that bridge to take to to have that reality to understand that how do I apply what I know in my reality? Because I've learned this and it makes sense, but they don't know how to apply it. So what mm -hmm. I do, I'm like that conduit that helps them um, apply what they know and how is this coming up, right? So both of them came to me for relationship coaching with their partners and then the way my methodology works is that I work with them as individ individuals within the same session. So when I give them an exercise, they have to work based on themselves. And then they go, what's my partner doing? No, 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 no. You focus on you. You focus on you. And then we bring it together. So for example, we do values for her, values for him at the same time. And then I get them to share that. So they're starting to talk, they're starting to communicate, and then they're starting to understand what is important to the other one at a deeper level. And then what we do after that, then we bring it together and create the values for the marriage. Mm -hmm. That's why we're building new foundations. Mm -hmm. We go away, okay, what are your goals? What are your goals? Mm -hmm. So this is because what happens is when two people come together, they're two individuals. And then somewhere along the line, because they want to please and appease the other person, they give up things that are important to them because they want to please the other person. It comes from a good place. It doesn't come from a negative space. Yeah, that's true. If there's no understanding, then it becomes like, well, look what I did for you. Well, I didn't ask you to do that for me. Oh, you know, and then resentment kicks in. And there's no need for any of that. It's just it's just knowing how to talk to each other. Because we take, we, I used to do that with my former husband. And this is where all this comes from, is that we really loved each other, but we just reached the point that it was, I just thought if I don't leave, it's going to be really, really horrible. Now, I get along really well with my former husband. We go and have coffee at least once a week. It's just not romantic anymore. We just truly depolarized. You know, we became, we were friends and there was no return from that, right? But if you're in a relationship where there's still a lot of romance, there's still a lot of that going on, well, then do something about it because you need new knowledge to take you to that next level. Mm -hmm. But this, these are not the things that, we grow up with our parents are not going to sit there with us telling us, okay, darling, let's do an exercise on values and let's see <laughs> what that means to you so you understand who you are. No. Could you imagine? You, you couldn't imagine that, could you? Well, I did that with my son, but I actually, how's this? My, I, my son hired me to be his coach, so he paid me. Right? Really? Yeah. So when he was little, he said to me, when when I first started all those years, he's 22 now, so 13 years ago he was, you know, much younger, right? 
And at one point he said, I don't want you to be my coach. I want you to be my mom. So that was a big aha for me. So a lot of coaches, when, when we start our careers, we can't distinguish between the two. And this is where we got to have a serious code. It's like we got to have a serious division between our personal life and our business life. And would you also call that code boundaries? Because when you said, you know, the people come together and they tend to give up something to appease the other one when they needn't give that up if they know their expectations and their boundaries and then working on the code would bring that to a space where they have a respect for each other's whatever they do? So the the word boundary, um, I sometimes look at it, a boundary is like a barrier. So you Okay. Okay. So we want to be careful when we use the word boundary, whether we use it in the context of barriers, so you do not like, for example, and I really don't like to go there, but I will on this occasion because it's the example that comes up. When somebody comes towards and wants to push you, so I'm going to make it a bit lighter. I want—I don't want to go into a deeper situation. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a boundary. No, no, you don't go past that line. No, no, you don't come that close to me, right? So that's, that's where you need a boundary. <laughs> so, but... That's something, it's not like a literal boundary, a barrier, but you got to be self-assured enough to know I can't, you can't go past that. Mm. At me, like sometimes people, when they get angry, they walk towards each other and mm. run, right? Mm-hmm. No, no. So I'm not talking about violence here. I'm just talking about when people are angry or when they're frustrated, it's, Inadvertently, this they they their voices raise and they come towards each other. It's like okay, there's got to be a barrier, like a boundary. Don't come too close because that becomes scary now. Yeah, and that's not just for women. I'm talking about the men too because women can get go at men too. I used to, I used to, you know, when I was frustrated with my ex, right? So it's like. At one point, I thought, "Wow, stop! I can't, I can't go any closer. What am I going to do? Hitting? You mm. know, I was just frustrated." Mm. So, a code of honor is a set of rules. It's it's something that you ab- abide by and you 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 live it. It's like it's in your DNA. It's more. It's it's a much nicer way of looking at things instead of now that you've said boundaries. You know, that's a barrier, looking at that code uh, of honour and looking at it and saying, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a respect. But, but, there's two, but there's two different things. So there is a need for boundaries, so we don't want to get rid of them. But yep. sometimes I thought these people don't have boundaries. So you all still need to have, like, what you allow and you what don't allow. Yes. In a activity or physical reaction or whatever it is, right? A code of honor is more internal. Yeah. Right? I think what I'm going to do, because I learned this from my mentor, Blair Singer, and I actually, I might read it, if it's okay with you, I'm going to read to you exactly how he describes it because it is so, so beautiful the way he describes it. Um, Here it is. 
It's a, a set of simple, powerful rules that govern the internal behavior of any team, organization, family, individual, and even nation. These rules determine how we behave toward one another within the team. And a team, a marriage is a team. We are a team, right? Yep. Are its heart and spirit. They are what people are willing to stand and defend and be accountable for. It is the unwavering discipline of the team itself to enforce those rules and not rely on bosses, coaches, regulators, parents, or ministers to enforce them, but to have the team spontaneously support each other in adhering to the code. It's repeated, practiced, and drilled so many times in so many instances that it becomes unconsciously embedded in the hearts of the players. The code builds trust, cohesion and energy oh that's beautiful and it's so true isn't it yeah so i'm certified by the blessing a uh, a training academy in scottsdale arizona and we have a code for the academy so how we so there's about 500 if not more of us as part of this academy and we all follow and we live the code of honor the code Mm -hmm. of you know, an example is no lay, blame, justify, or deny. Take full responsibility. Or don't leave a teammate behind. Like in a lot of companies, you know, we, they leave people behind, right? Just like, no, you're too weak, you know, forget you. No, no, no. Yeah. Every single person got hired to work for this company on their merit. Yeah. Just because you, you may be an introvert, it doesn't make you any less a strong person. You're just stronger differently. So the so a leader, a good leader, is one that recognizes all the gifts that every single person has and creates a code for the team that everybody abides by and everybody can be called upon, right? Yeah. So when I coach and I have the code of honor, it, and the code of honor is created in agreement with the clients, if they want to put in another code, they can add to the one I already have. And I've had before clients put in a different code. One person um, actually said, I want to have respectful dialogue during this process. Yeah. And I said, yeah. And what does that mean? So then they explained it. And then I asked the partner, so what does this mean to you? And the partner said, I'm in agreement. I said, yeah. I, I already knew what it was, so I was in agreement. Yeah. So a code of honor is something that's created as a unit. It's not like, for example, in a team environment, the boss is not going to say, come up, you already have a team and say, now I created a code of honor and you all got to do it. The company, for example, has a code of honor and they, and they are recruiting somebody new then you want to know that the person who comes into your business is somebody who is, um, uh, their value system is similar to yours and they are okay with the with the code. Because if somebody is not okay with those rules, they're not going to be a team player. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and, and that, sorry to interrupt, and that actually, when when you look at the way people recruit in this, the, the way recruitment happens, None of that happens. Go to yeah. I, no. I haven't heard of a company yet here 
where there's a code of honor. They have code of conduct, but yes, all different thing. Totally different. So maybe there's a space for you there to actually introduce that into organizations. I think that into the organizations of recruitment to get them to understand what it's all about. And that may change the perspective of how recruitment happens in the long term. And I, I think it gives me a good, warm, fuzzy feeling, Annie, um, just talking about it. It is, it is absolutely amazing. And if you, if you do your, for example, if you know your values, like a lot of people actually don't know their values. No, they don't. They think they, don't. they do. They think they do. But when I do the exercise with them, because I have a quite a comprehensive exercise, and uh, and and completely different things come up, and they just go, "That's different." I say, "Yeah, because what you think your values are is how you want other people to behave towards you." Yeah, <laughs> that's you know, like when I say to people, "What are your values? Loyalty, respect, integrity," and I said, "So." Do you want loyalty and respect from other people? Yes. I said, well, that's not your value. I said, that's what you want from other people. Now, respect could be one of your values, but we need to go and discover what that actually means to you. Mm. If you expect somebody else to treat you that way, do you treat them like that? Yeah. Do, you treat, do you respect yourself first and foremost? Right? Absolutely. I Oh, I said, all right, so let's do the exercise. And then there's steps. There's many other steps within the exercise. Yeah. Really, truly understand is is that what what drives it? Because everybody is driven. They, they got something at the core. For example, yeah. my number one value is freedom. Mine too. Mine too. Right? Yep. So I get agitated when I feel that so for me and my my definition of freedom is to be free spirited at ease to do things that I love to do it's not like do what I want when I want yeah okay you can say that but for me it's more like I if I'm not able to do something that I like a goal I have a goal and I want to do all the activities to achieve the goal because the goal just makes me feel free. Yes. So I don't have any resistances within myself. It's not that a resistance somebody else puts upon me, myself, right? So when that sometimes somehow gets um, agitated, then I get agitated because I go, oh, because my I feel like my freedom is being taken away. So then I have to go, okay, what's happening within me, Right. Somebody comes, oh, Annie, can you do this? I'm like, so, you know, used to be a real people pleaser. I still like to, to help people, but I don't, I'm not a people pleaser anymore. Yeah. We learn that, don't we? We learn it along the way that we don't have to be people pleasers. We can say no, and we feel quite comfortable saying no. Once upon a time, I would never say no. I'd always say yes, but now, no, I'm not doing it. And it's not because uh, you, you you just want to be nasty or anything like that. It's because you choose. It's a choice yeah. you make uh, along the lines of your code. 
Well, I've learned I've learned something that's called noble selfishness. Mm. So selfish, selfish, selfishness is when somebody gains on the back end of others. Yes. Noble means somebody who does something good to others or for others. A nobly selfish person is one who takes care of self first, but it's not doing it in order to hurt somebody else. Yeah. So when we say no, we say yes to ourselves. Now, if somebody gets upset because you said no to them, that's not on you. Mm. That's on them. Mm. They can call you, well, you're selfish. Okay, so me taking a weekend when I need to rest and sleep and I don't want to come to the party, I can't see how that is selfish because the definition of selfish is gaining on the back end of other, but I'm not gaining on the back end of this person. Mm. on the back end of myself i'm choosing me yeah why do you want me there so badly past experience i've gone to these parties and i never speak to the person who invited me because they're too busy being with other people so why do you want me there just the number so but i don't go into all that analysis it's like i don't want to go yeah actually need to take care of me because if i am better then I can love you up more, then I can bring my energy to you, then I can hang out with you, I'll come to the next party. I need to rest. Or I don't want to go to this event. There's just nothing there for me. I'm not going to gain anything out of it. And I just don't want to go. And if you're not wanting to go. And I, I reckon a lot of the listener would, listeners would go, yeah, I've been there, done that. I'm sure. Yeah. And it's a respect for yourself too, isn't it? A respect for you to say no. And and I like the noble because you don't have to feel guilty about saying no to somebody. It's about how you are to yourself. Yeah, Fiona, I just want to clarify something in relation to the I'm glad you brought up the noble. So this person I'm not saying no to this person because I want to hurt them. No, that's right. I, I just say no because I know I have to take care of me. I've been I've worked long hours this particular week and all I just want to do is sleep and eat and stretch and watch Netflix. That's how I am going to fill myself up. So yep. I I'm not relying on somebody else to fulfill me. I'm not relying on somebody else to bring me joy. So let's sum up your superpowers because you've got quite a few of them. They, you are able to, to listen and hear what's not being said. You, you're able to see things that people don't see. You're able to get people to a point where they can understand who they are better. You can help people to move through the process without feeling guilty, but also keeping them in a safe environment so that they can work through the processes to get them to a point where they they have an aha moment and realise yes. this is what I need to do for me and it has so many benefits and there are so many benefits from what you do. 
What other things? And and everything that binds all that together is the presence. Yeah. Being present is that's what allows me to do all those other things because through presence, you yourself are extremely aware. I'm very aware of everything around me. I sometimes see things almost behind me and I got a sense that I've seen it. I just saw something. Yeah. Wow. And I can tell you one great benefit of presence is when you drive to the road and I literally can sense, I can see a car at the front or two cars front and I go, okay, I'm sensing something is, is not right there. So I just back off a little and sure enough, Sure enough, there's always something that happens. Mm. I'm not talking about accident, but mm. behavior on a road. Yeah. Wow. Like, that was quite an aha for me when I literally consciously recognized that by being present, how much I literally saw on the road. And how, how many people are not present when they're driving and on the roads? So many. I'd say 99% of people are not really present when they're driving. Well, here's a tip for people in relation to driving. So if you, because what happens, if you take a particular road from, let's say from work to home, it's always the same road. Yep. You actually become unconscious because it's repeat, 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 repeat. You're just doing it naturally. It's it's now it's become an unconscious thing. And you just yes. go. And that's yep. when they're not with it, right? So every other day, take a different route yes yes and and sometimes play with yourself figure it out how can you get home only turning left familiarity is what it is isn't it we become so familiar we just and i know i do it go on autopilot i don't know the names of the streets but i know in the direction i need to go i know the roads i need to take and how i'm going to get there i'm going to try that that's that's a great idea thank you and my last superpower, I think, is my thirst for knowledge. Yeah. I am I'm like a I'm like a sponge. You know, they talk about children. I think I'm I've got my second childhood happening in my fifties. <laughs> There's uh the, my thirst for my thirst for knowledge and uh, and understanding. I absolutely adore human behavior. Oh, yes, it's fantastic. I I love to sit and watch people. It is absolutely fascinating. I love it. I could sit all day and just watch people, watch them come and go and, yeah. You know, I go to coffee shops and I take my diary and I go, okay, I'm going to do my gratitude, so I'm going to do some journaling. I never get to do it because there's so much that goes on around. It's amazing to watch people's how they behave with each other how they talk with each other you know you go you know christmas is around right yeah absolutely i do center and i can just tell who's been shopping for how long how annoyed are the guys and (laughs) how long those children have been shopping with their mother and all that kind of stuff so uh, my advice would be Find a babysitter and go shopping. And if he doesn't like shopping, then just go on your own. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So I've got to deal with the moods. I mean, how many, I don't know about you, but I'm in shopping centers and you see all the blokes waiting outside the shops on their phone waiting. Yeah. And they would rather be home or they would rather be somewhere else. And I just sit there and I go, I don't know. I, I still haven't figured that one out. Why yeah. women drag their men into the stores? And I don't want to sound sexist or anything like that, but I used to drag my, my ex-husband into the stores. Well, first he used to drag me. and He was more of a shopper than I was. But then as time went by, he didn't really want to come shopping with me. Oh, come. I still don't know why I did that. Now, oh, no way. Now, I want to go shopping because I want to dilly-dally. I want to dingle-dangle. I want to go, you know, I want to go to La Visa and try 5,000, look at different pairs of earrings and stuff. I don't know. I don't want a guy standing there going, this is not stimulating me. Or he wants to go to JB Hi-Fi and then I have to go to JB Hi-Fi and look at electronics. Like, <laughs> like I'm not into electronics. So, so it's, but it's fun. I mean, this is the dynamic between men and women is what makes life exciting. It but does. But what's more exciting, if you want to know if you if you want to understand and if you love your partner would it be difficult to just learn something new to make your life even more delicious yeah right? yeah because Beautiful. relationships can be really yummy mm. you go back to when you met your partner everything was delicious and he had the cherry on top and it was sweet and it was gorgeous and then, of course, life happens. Yes. But you can still have that and better. Yeah. You understand yourself better. Yeah. On, on that note, thank you, Annie. Um, it's been a great education. And <laughs> I think when people listen to it, they'll, they'll take some things from it, lots of things, I think. Um, thank you for your time. I'm Faye Waterman. This is... I'm the conversation curator and this has been Watch Your Superpower, the podcast, and I'll be back with another guest sometime soon. Bye for now. Thank you, Annie. Thank you so much. All the best, everybody. Merry Christmas and happy Yes. Year. Yes.